What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Spurlock 30 to the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40 to the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that. Shotgun set. Three receivers left. Here's the snap, and the blitzer is picked up. Brady underneath. Caught ball. Evans. He has the record at the 11-yard line. Mike Evans becomes the first NFL player in league history to record 1,000 yards or more in his first seven seasons and won a throw by Brady. Congratulations, Mike Evans. Who can forget? Again, looking again. Throws up the middle. That's intercepted. At the 30. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Here's the snap. Mahomes running to his right. Look out. He may run. Mahomes directly. Oh, throw the end down. Battle in. Intercepted, picked off in the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world, and we still have a minute 33 to go. Devin White, what a great second season. That's it for KC. Bucks are the Super Bowl champs. They can't stop the clock. We call them the Salty Dogs. Welcome, everybody, to the Salty Dogs podcast on this Fun victory week. I am Scott Smith. And I am one happy Jeff Ryan. And we are the Salty Dogs. We are. And we're not too, we don't have much reason to be salty right now. No, no. no we're Sh- sweet. Kind of, so, somewhat um, pleasantly surprised, but not shocked. How's that? You mean by the 2-0 and start? Yes. Even surprise is a little bit stronger. I yeah. would say that there's not a tenor of surprise amongst the coaches and players in the mm-hmm. building. Um, they, they expected to be... Be playing this well coming out now. Well, you know, it's early. Either came, either game could have gone either way. Yeah, uh, but the Bucks made the plays when they needed to once again, and uh, so that's what I want to start with, Jeff. What I, I oh, first of all, we're going to get to fan emails later. All right, so and we, we're getting a good number of them this year, and I'm okay. really happy. I want to keep. Oh my goodness, I got two more between when I brought this laptop down here. Uh oh, gosh, yep. we got a lot. So we try to get to all of them if we can. Okay. Um, so if you want to send us emails. Please do so at saltydogs at buccaneers.nfl.com. Yeah, and if you're looking for a timely uh, to send your email, if you do it before a Tuesday, yeah, yeah. before like noon, you have a good shot of having it read because we do these usually on Tuesdays. Today's Tuesday, right? Uh, it is. Yeah, it okay. doesn't, but it's kind of it functions like a second Monday. I know. Since we have a Monday game coming up. Yeah. And since we're both working on Saturday, yes, that would be it. But we have Sunday off. Uh, you know what? This very last email that just came in, uh-huh. I'm just going to go ahead and read it now. We okay. usually save this for the end, but it's from um, Richard Taroka. Tara, Tara Oka. T-E-R-A-O-K-A. I'm going to have to get used to yeah. saying that because he sent us two, He sent me two other emails on Sunday. Oh. But this one just says, Ahoy, Saltineers. Happy International Talk Like a Pirate Day. Arr. Did you know it was? I like did. A- I Yes, I did. I'm so bad at impressions. All that I thing. can't. Arg. Arg. There you go. That's the best uh, I could do. Richard is from San Gabriel, California. We'll hear from you him again know. when we get there. But first, we're going to kind of hash I out. I guess pirate talk would be keep an eye on your booty. I don't know. <laughs> um, we're going to, well, you could raise the Jolly Roger. Oh, right? yes. You know what that means? Uh, gosh. You know where the words Jolly Roger come from? Uh, the candy? No. It's, oh. um, you just dated yourself because I don't even know what a Jolly Roger is. <laughs> oh, you mean Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> yeah, same difference. <laughs> so um, I was waiting for you to pick up on in that. In French, uh-huh. uh, Jolie Rouge or something like that. Okay. I can spell it better than I can pronounce it. No, means I... red flag. Oh. And that became Jolly Roger. 
because the pirates would. So the red flag mean what the pirates would do um, is they would generally fly a flag of just like some country that mm-hmm. they weren't even necessarily from, just so that other ships were not worried about them. Okay. And then when they got close enough to attack, they would take that flag down and raise the red one. Well, then doesn't that kill the surprise? Well, they're already that's the. They, this, they're already in there. The surprise worked, and they're close enough. Oh, so so you know you now know you're being attacked. Yeah, you now know you're being attacked. Oh, although you'd probably know it when they start shooting canines. Well, I would think you would pick up on that, but no, very interesting. <laughs> I did not think I'd learn something like that today. So, um, what's I like to do this at the top? Huh? What's the favorite thing you saw on Sunday? Interesting enough, my favorite thing was in between um, one of the commercial breaks. On the field, Little Caesars had... In between the commercial break or during the commercial break? During the commercial break. Because in between the commercial breaks would be the game. Well, well, when I'm done, you may think the same thing. (laughs) No. Uh, They did a a promotion with Little Caesars, and it was cute because it was a little boy and a little girl, and they had these little pizza boxes, and they had to run, I don't know, maybe five yards to where their parent was with a sword holding up and they took the little pizza box and they put it down on the sword. Now it sounds stupid, no, but it it's really, it really is. And what I liked about it and, and it caught my eye. What, what was funny is the little boy was just wiping out the little girl here. Like he was like, like three ahead. I think they had to put like five or something. Well, he took his butt and the, like his two to go and he gets there and he can't get it on the sword for whatever reason. And the little girl goes, boom, 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 boom. And she wins. Oh, good for her. He was crushed. Oh, and you could see it. And, um, you know, he put his head down and this and that. And, uh, I spoke with some of the events people and I was telling them about this and they said, oh yeah, their dad kept saying, his father kept saying to him, it's okay, little buddy. It's okay. So I thought, why he learned a really valuable lesson. Girls will beat you. That's just the way it is. But it was cute. It was fun. Pizza boxes are difficult to put on swords. Well, they were a little baby, you know, like oh, a personal pizza box. Yeah. So. I'm sure he got over it. There was oh, yeah. Day. I'm sure he ended up with a cotton candy yeah, or something. Gave him something. Yeah, yeah. So that was your favorite thing? Yeah. Well, he probably ended up with a pizza. That's probably what had happened. Yeah. yeah. Uh, See how I figured that out all in this process? Go ahead. What was your favorite? Well, I was tempted to say the Shaq interception because it was such a fun play. Oh, well, yeah. That goes without. Yeah. But but I have to be honest. I know that now because I heard people talking about it, and then I saw the replay. I couldn't tell what happened when it happened. Oh. I was looking at the play, and I I guess some people were in – the defenders in the way or something, and I'm like – what happened? And all of a sudden, our whole defense is pushing one way. And I'm like, I guess somebody picked it off, but I have no idea who. That's because the ball went, and you, it, it was hard to see. It was a crowd say. of people. It was a crowd of people, and he just – it was a great scoop. I think I think Bears fans would probably be unhappy about that play call because they had just done, run the same thing maybe twice. They just run the same play, essentially. So Yeah, and it's, uh, not, and it's not good in the locker room when Levante David goes, yeah, we saw the play and we knew it was coming again. So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's a hard yeah, go. Yeah, and they made some adjustments. In fact, they, they kind of slid Shaq a little bit more inside so he could be in position to be where he was. He right. still had to make a pretty acrobatic play Great. with one hand. But I'm not going to say that because, like I said, I didn't actually see what it. What I liked, you know, not only did he make a great catch, but I loved all his teammates saying, you're scoring, buddy. Yeah, you we're are pushing going, you in no matter what. We're going to push and pull, and that's that. You could make an argument that he would have been just as good going down at the four. Oh yeah. Because you would have won the game. Probably run out the clock. There's a little over two minutes left at Mm -hmm. that moment, like two Oh three. They would have had 
They've already used their timeouts. Yeah, they were So done. they had the two-minute warning. Mm-hmm. You could run a couple plays. I mean, the only thing you're risking there is maybe a fumble. Right. But, um, but no, I mean, scoring is the instinctive thing to do. And it puts you up by 10. With yeah. yeah. So either way, it would have been fine. It, I think it just – I saw Shaq in the hallway yesterday and, and made a comment to him. And he just it, – it meant a lot to him. Good. Yeah, it meant a lot to him. Yeah. So For obvious reasons. Uh, yeah. And then we don't need to rehash. Right. And I'm not going to. But I'm just saying is that it's, it's, it was a cool thing and it was a game clincher. I mean, that just yeah. shut the door. And his first career touchdown. So when we do what did we like, are we going to do plays or just kind whatever, of weird Whatever, whatever. I've, okay. I've got one of each. Here. Okay. So what's Sorry. your other one? Well, one was Mike Evans getting a whole lot of yak yeah. yards after the catch yeah. because that's always yeah. been kind of the thing that is missing in his game. In a couple off seasons, he said that's what he's been working on. But just because basically the style of his play and the types of throws that he gets, yak is usually not a big part of it. Right. You know, maybe he'll catch a bomb at the ten and get ten yards of uh-huh. yak running into the end zone. Um, but a lot of times he's making contested catches. He's sure. catching balls in the end zone where you can't. It's impossible to get yak. And um, but in this game. He had well. It depends on the source. We I know that our sta- our PR department put out notes that said he had a career high seventy nine yards after the uh-huh. catch in that game. Uh, I looked at NFL Next Gen stats and they have him at eighty three, but it's around eighty. And the, you know, obviously, he got a lot of them on that one where he ran down to the seven and from the seventy yard play. But the the one that was best was on the sideline. Uh-huh. He said it was kind of a broken play. Baker scrambled a little bit in his direction, then kind of lobbed it over some defenders. Mike caught it on the sideline and came down. And then there was a guy there, and I don't know what that tackle effort was, but he was able to kind of like spin off yeah. him, somehow stay in bounds, like a pirouette. And for me, yeah, like a pirouette. And for a minute, I thought he was gone. And he said afterwards that. He he thought maybe he could run that one in, but then he yeah. looked up at the video board and saw there were guys right behind him, so he yeah. knew. But still, it was at, well, not only did he do a great spin move, but he kept his feet in bounds, which I know. was I know. remarkable. Their body control is it's unreal. Yeah, yeah, that was a good play. Yeah, I'm ha- he had a great game. I mean, oh yeah, of course he did. Yeah, you know, hundred and what? One hundred seventy-one. Wow, That's... on six catches and a touchdown. Ah, good for him. He's close. Two hundred. 30-something. So between the two games, he's over 200 yards. Then, he's like right? at 200, close to 240, mm-hmm. which is a very good start. You're almost a quarter of the way to that 1,000. Yeah. Wow. So and, the, the, the non-football one for me was before the game, uh-huh. looking up and on the big video boards and seeing that video with Ronnie Barber and yours truly doing the game plan because – that took the place of what I would normally do. Be careful what you in say. In the pregame show. <laughs> and while being, getting to, yeah. you know, show notes and talking to the crowd on the video boards is a lot of fun. Fun. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more fun when it's shot ahead of time and I don't have to make my way down to the yeah. pirate ship. I don't have to go through the crowds. Uh-huh. You know, there's a lot of happy people. Sure. Uh, around on the, on the end zone decks there. I don't have to, you know, go find the elevator, and sometimes that takes a while. I don't have to go out in the heat. Right. Just well, from a convenience standpoint, for me, it was awesome. And plus, you know, you were also jumping on the radio with us right. for 15, 20 minutes, and then, that, yeah. and then you're, you know, so you're, you're kind of busy before it gets started. So Although there's a lot I, of I do like that feature, though. I did not I did uh, enjoy that. Good. We just shot another one for the next game. All right. Um, what are you thinking? I'm um, just. I don't. I'm looking at what would be well, next to go. What would be best to go with next? I guess. I would. Okay. No, you go ahead. I would think the fact that we scored over 20 points for two games in a row and allowed 17. Yeah. Which is their target. Yes. It'd be cool if we got under it a couple. Times, it reminds but, me of Warren Sapp. Right. Right. Yep. 
But didn't he used to say 14 points? I think he used to say, give us 17 and we'll win the game. Yeah. Yeah. But either way. That's pretty much true. Yeah. Especially in the Super Bowl year. Sure. They allowed like 12.9 yards. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was very exciting. I think the big story uh, and how the Bucs got to Mm 2-0 is five takeaways and no giveaways. Yeah. No giveaways through two games. First time we've done that since 1991 and Mm. only the second time ever. Wow. No turnovers through two games is a huge, huge story. And then eight sacks we've recorded while only allowing one. Yeah, it was like a sack machine. If you, if well, like six different, five or five or six different guys were involved in those mm-hmm. six sacks. Yep. Joe Joe Tryon, uh, I think he had two of them, but then Cam Gill split one. No, Cam Gill had a full one. Logan Hall split one with Vita Bay had got one. Yeah, Avita had one and a half. So when you are that far ahead in those ratios, five and zero oh in turnovers, mm-hmm. eight and one in sacks. Going to win a lot of games. Sure. Now, unlike the first game, there were a couple of turnover, what they call turnover-worthy plays. Oh. Uh, probably the only one that Baker Mayfield has thrown so far through two games, which is not bad. I think it was his very first pass of the game. Had a chance to be intercepted, yeah. but the guy didn't hold on. So right. that's really the only play that I can think of in the first two games where Baker put the ball in risk, you know. Uh, so, so that's fantastic. And then we had the fumble. Devin Tompkins fumbled one on return, but it just rolled right out of bounds. Right. But we had the fumble by David Wells that went back like 11 and yards. Baker and Baker got it. Baker got it. <laughs> that guy's a gamer, isn't he? Yeah. Well, that, I, well, I'll tell you, that's one of the things I got written right, down right here. I was in the scrum with Mike Evans in the locker room afterwards, and one of the things he pointed out was that he was really impressed with, with Baker diving on that football. Yeah. He says quarterbacks can be hesitant to do that. Everybody remembers the Cam Newton play in the right, Super Bowl. Right, right. Quarterbacks can be hesitant to jump on the football for a pretty good reason, really. Probably their coaches would prefer they don't. Yeah. You don't want them to get hurt, right? Right. But he's one of the guys. He, he's probably always played like this to some extent. I would think so. But I think he's letting it all loose here in this this opportunity to reestablish himself as a, as a starting quarterback and a good one in the NFL. From, from my perspective, it looks like he's having fun, and I was reading a story about um, him and his wife, and his wife made a comment that she, you know, someone asked how Baker got through the last few years, you know, being on okay. four teams, all like that, you know, all that story, right? You know, how he's been, you know, kind of batted around a little bit. And that coming here has just been wonderful for him. Oh, and that she made the comment that he's having fun. He's back to. Well, she would know. Yeah. And she said when, when, Baker is having fun. It's more fun around the house. So I kind of just because he's a fun guy. Period. Yeah. But I I understand that. But uh, you know, you forget that he's only twenty eight years old, and um, he certainly is media savvy. He definitely is um, a smart guy in that area. But he does look like a guy who's having a lot of fun. Yeah, he sure does. So. That's why I think he jumped on the ball because he doesn't know any better. And then in this mutual love. Between Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans, Baker Mayfield is describing the touchdown play Mm -hmm. for for Mike, the 32-yard touchdown catch. Um, By the way, his 84th career touchdown. Um, And he said it was a – they were playing off coverage. It was really cool. It's really cool when a quarterback is asked a question to describe a play and he breaks it down by explaining what he saw and what they did and everything Uh because you don't really get those nuances. Sure. And so – how was Mike open on that play? A third and fourteen down the sideline. What are you, you're not thinking that maybe they'll do that with Mike? Right. But they showed a two safety look, but then rolled the safety on that side to the middle, 
either right before or at the snap, and Baker saw that, and he knew Mike had a shot. Now, Mike has, like I said, they're in off coverage, so the DB is giving him a lot of cushion. But Baker called Mike the best goal ball runner, so that's the kind of uh-huh. goal ball, the best goal ball runner against off coverage in the league. Wow. And I hadn't thought about that before, but it, it makes sense. And he he explained why. He's like, he just makes up so much ground so quickly. Mm-hmm. So there's that off coverage, and that cornerback thinks that he has time to react. And then Mike's at him and then by him before he realizes yeah. what's happening. Yeah, yeah. It's deceptive. And so that's what happened. And Mike said he ran an in, in go, which I guess it means he probably, instead of going around the guy on the outside, he went around him on the inside instead of by the sideline. And he just got by him. And Baker had the, the kind of the rush coming up directly at him. Mm-hmm. So he kind of was falling backwards when he lobbed it. And, I'm like, and, you know, when a quarterback does that, you kind of cringe a little bit. Very much so. But it was right on target. Yeah. So he knew what he was doing. He knew he had Mike behind the defender, and he didn't have to worry about the safety being there for a safety. So basically he just needed to get it far enough yeah. so it's either a touchdown or it's over everybody's head. And he did. He put it right on the money. Yeah, it, it, they're fun. It, the last two games have been fun. A little bit of nail biters, though. You have to you have to admit to that. But, you know, when you come out on top, then you – and it's totally enjoyable. You know, so I did not think after we got up twenty to ten that we were going to have to be biting our nails on that one. Because I agree. They had a seventy-five yard drive to start the to start the game. Todd Bowles said afterwards that he felt he took responsible for that drive because he said he made two bad play calls that put his guys in a bad position. Yeah. So I mean, I guess that's why an explanation why that offense, which mostly struggled, did so well on that drive. Other than that, they didn't do anything. Until all of a sudden we're up 20 to 10, we pin them back at their 10-yard lane, and they go on a 90-yard drive. Yeah, I know. So they had like, I don't know, 230-something yards, but 165 of them were on those two drives. Yeah. So when we got up at 20 to 10, I didn't think they were going to get back in. I just didn't think their offense was going to be able to do anything. Right, but, but they, they did. did. One more time, but then after that it was just swarm. Yeah. What a great way to end, too. It just reminded me of old buck ball, right? When you yeah, needed it, the, the defense. defense says, no, not anymore. You got 90 yards on us, not going to happen again. That's a good point, Jeff, because both in both cases, the Bucks were able to close out the game, but in the first one, it was the offense that did mm-hmm. it. But the defense did it because they did a three and out. Chris Godwin, or, or um, yeah. uh, Carlton Davis, Carlton David, Davis hitting the, the ball away. Yeah, on third down. Right. And right. so, and so then the guy, offense took but over. Then the, but they literally that closed four it minute, out with right. a four-minute drill. Right. This time it was the defense that closed yeah. it out. Offense got them up, and then defense closed it out and even scored to make it look even better. Otherwise, yeah. it would have been another three-point game. But yeah, you, don't, you don't care at the end of the day no, what the no, margins are. No. By the way, Minnesota lost again. I know. 34-28, and I that's know. technically a one-score game. Yeah. So they went 11-0 and in one-score games last year, yeah. and they're 0-2 already yeah, this year. It's so a hard it, go. It's not something that's easy to maintain. I was I was seeing something where people were complaining that, yeah, the Bucks are 2-0, and but everybody, you know, the teams they beat, they're 0-2. Well, it's not your fault it's, that— But it's also partially because of us. Yeah, I know. But, you know, we're, it's like, really? I mean, you really, you really are nitpicking when you go down that road. Well, that's why this— Coming Monday is really going to it's a big be it's where a big the tide game. turns. Mm-hmm. If the Buccaneers beat the Eagles or even hang with the Eagles, maybe it goes right. wrong at the end or something. But if the Buccaneers show they're able to hang with the Eagles, hopefully beat the Eagles, right? Then you don't you have to start to believe? You would think, but even if you even if you play a good game and you don't win, you don't like losing, but. You know, you're you're now measuring up against what everyone That's thinks what is yeah. the best team, and they they probably are. They don't have a lot of yeah. Weaknesses. No, they no no. 
But the, the the other side of the coin is, is, do you think maybe perhaps at some point they were looking at the Buccaneer game and now they're looking at it differently because they're two and zero because there's they're you know the Bucks are one out of what how many there are zero and twos in the two NFC and yeah um, two and um, well I'll tell you this much uh, the NFL somehow got that one really right because there's one game in, on the entire schedule in week three that. Yeah, pits, us and pits two yeah. two and O teams against each yeah. other. It's the us, only one. Us and the Eagles. Yep. Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. So that worked out nicely for the NFL. Well yeah, and it's on a Monday night game. I wonder if they're thinking maybe we should have had them on at eight fifteen rather than seven fifteen Eastern time. I'm pretty happy that it's gonna be at starting at seven. I am not pretty happy. I am very happy. <laughs> that was a lot of football last night though. Because they had a dub Monday night doubleheader last night. Yeah, well, let's just say this: it wasn't rock'em sock'em. It football. wasn't great football, yeah. <laughs> no. which I actually kind in of enjoyed. Fair, yeah, in fairness, though, that that you know, I enjoyed it because, especially the Carolina New Orleans game, because for most of that game, I didn't think either of those teams looked very good. Well, I watched that game because we we're going to play them, as, as probably you did too, to keep an eye on you know what they look like, and I couldn't decide. Did I, you and, automatically root for for Carolina? Absolutely, absolutely. I I was well, torn. only only because I wanted I wanted the Saints to to lose so they would be one and one. Agreed. That Agreed. was the only reason. Agreed. But I also kind of like the idea of the Panthers getting buried early and being out of it because <laughs> I really don't like the Panthers. <laughs> I know everybody around here tends, tends to focus on the Saints. Right. But you that was I it. I really huh? don't like the Panthers and it wouldn't bother me. I, I, I like a, Bryce Young. I kind of I, I wish he was on a different team because I right. kind of like to root for him. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah. You seem to be out on Bryce Young. Well, I just think I, he's really small. He, he's smaller than I thought. But the, when the looking Panthers at him knew that when they drafted yeah. him. Yeah. But the only other thing, and I told you this, is, you know, and I don't know why it happened, but he lined up. He got behind the wrong guy. He's not the first guy I, ever to do I that. I know, but it's pretty funny when your running back shoves you up. <laughs> it's a great. Get behind the center. Get, yeah. Uh, you want to go over there. Um yeah, well, you know, it's a work in progress. It's only a second game, so who knows? But they're 0-2. Anyway, I, I, it was a lot of football last night, yep. um, so I enjoyed that. I, I do like the double games. I wish they would do that all the time. I guess, you know, what? it'd be good for us in our situation sure. because I, as, a, as a fan, if I wasn't working in football and I was home on a Sunday, I think I'd want more games on Sunday, Yeah, more to choose from. But since we don't really get to watch the Sunday games very much – well, we don't mind that there's one fewer, and then it's on a night we can. Watch. Well, but for fans, they're unless they have the NFL ticket, they're pretty much whatever the market's going to give them. So they're only going to have maybe, yeah, at the most for a day they could have four games because, uh, or you can watch Red Zone. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a whole other. Can I don't even worms. know. It is. I don't yeah. know because I don't need. It's it. actually very interesting. You can get addicted to it, but I still like watching the game because I like to see how things impact. But you know, they pick it up at the twenties, so it's all good when you when you run it that way. Um, what else you got there? Anything? No. Yeah, I got a lot. I got a lot. Right. Um, one of the reasons that uh, Chicago, when they were down by just three and had the ball with a little over two minutes and uh-huh. so far to go was because of Jake Camarda Jake. is off to a sizzling start. Well, is that a 70 to 72? 72. So his first yarder. punt of the game, which was all the way in the second quarter because the Bucks' offense was moving the ball well, uh-huh. not capitalizing very much, but moving the ball well, uh, punts at what is technically a 72-yard punt because right. the line of scrimmage was the Bucks' 28 and the ball landed in the end zone. And I honestly think that that is the 
longest punt I've ever seen. I agree. In my life. I agree. Uh, in terms of traveling in the area. Mm-hmm. And, and it probably is, at least for the Buccaneers. Yeah, this wasn't a bounce roll roll. It, it landed like three yards in the end zone. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. You got, yep. you're, you're reading my mind. Ah. That was the third largest punt in team history behind a 74-yarder that Jake hit last year <laughs> and a 74-yarder that I think Sean Landetta had like in 1997. I like remember that. when he was here. Um, so most of the times, like you just said, a punt of that distance – 65, 70, 75 yards involves the ball going over the returner's head right? or landing in front of him and bouncing. And bounce and rolls, yeah. There was none of that. So I don't know exactly, and I should have looked this up, how many yards back the punter is from the snapper, mm-hmm. from the line of scrimmage. No. I'd suspect it looks like about 12 to 15. I would think you're right. So it's 70, let's say it's 15. Because they don't count that. They they count the yards oh, from the, the line ball. of scrimmage. Yeah, where the ball is. So if is. he's 15 yards back, he's actually 87 yards away from the other end zone. And that ball went like three yards into the end zone before landing. So that was like an 88 yards in the air. Yeah. That's insane. Crazy leg. Crazy leg. Crazy leg. Yeah. <laughs> Not crazy legs Hirsch. Yeah, just crazy. Who is known as a great return man. Yeah. We're going to start calling... Jake, crazy leg Camaro. Well, yeah, I, I kind of like that. Yeah, Jake, crazy leg Camaro. But it is when you you know you talk about flipping a field on a team. Wow. So then that one went into the end zone. You don't want a touchback, but on the other hand, it was still a fifty-two yard net. Yeah. So you're fine with that. Um, it would have been awesome if it landed around the five, but um, you're fine with a fifty-two yard net. And I think if you're a punter back at your twenty-eight, that's one of the times you can go. I'm just going to kick this as hard as I can. Yeah. And. Um, so he could just let it fly. Otherwise, he was controlling it. He, I think he had another, like, 55-yarder. Overall averaged about 53 yards. But the other three punts were all downed inside the 20. Right. So that's that's like a perfect night. It is. He also tracked down the ball on the blocked field goal around midfield and fell on it and showed off his speed there because we know that he's fast. Yeah. He's very, very fast. I, I was, I'm not even going to say for a punter. He's it, a fast dude. That would, that would have won the athletic play of the game had it not been Shaq's uh, <laughs> interception. So, you know, they, there was a bunch of Chicago defenders after it, and they could have scooped and scored, and that could have been an absolute disaster. And then our defense got a chance, and they stopped him and forced a punt. I, I did not see why it got blocked. I mean, I, a, I mean, obviously someone got through, but yeah. I didn't know if it was coming from I the – I don't know where it came. I, it must have come from the edge. But Did a guy get around the edge, or sometimes they yeah. do that jump over the line right. play? I didn't. I don't think it was a jump over the line, because usually you remember that. Or sometimes it happens just because you kick it a little too low. Yeah. But it wasn't a real long field. No. Goal, so you wouldn't expect him to be kicking a low trajectory. Honestly, I was quite shocked. Well, yeah. When it, Those plays know. are always kind of shocking. Yeah. So you never can turn your head anymore on special teams. Everybody <laughs> thinks you can put your head down. Oh, they're going to punt a ball. Don't worry about it. You know. Also had five kickoffs, and they were all touchbacks. Yeah. So that guy is single-handedly a field position warrior for Which, the Buccaneers. you know, it makes a difference in a game. It's huge. I mean, I mean it, it really is, but it gets overlooked. So, wow, look at us hoping, talking special teams. Well, I'm hoping he can, if he can continue on anywhere near this pace that mm-hmm. he can get in the Pro Bowl competition um, – Oh, yeah. Uh, he's right now, he ranks second in the NFL in both gross net average and net average, and he's third in punts inside the 20, which is kind of a difficult combination to be high, that high in net gross average yeah. and get so many inside yeah, he, the 20s. We, uh, the Buccaneers need to win a few games for him to get there because that's usually what happens. That's when that's when people get a spotlight well, on you. On the you. other hand, if, if you're punting a lot, he's getting more opportunities. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, there's that too, right? Um, Preferably not. Just take... 
take advantage of the limited opportunities that you have, I think would be a much better situation. So those six sacks we were talking about, uh huh. we have had 10 games in the last 10 years. With six sacks in a in game? We've had six sacks in a game. How many of those do you think we won? I would say all of them. You would be right. Wow. How about that? Yep. You, you would think that, though, wouldn't you? I mean, I, I mean, it would be it's really not the only thing. I mean, you I have know. six sacks, but you also give up six sacks, and uh, who knows? Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. We had a six-two. He got sacked once in the first game, right? He didn't get sacked. Baker didn't get sacked in this game. No, I although don't. <laughs> that was thanks it, to him it, on a couple occasions. That is Baker Houdini Ooh, Mayfield. A couple of those were like, yeah. "Wow, how do you do that?" I know, amazing. And I'm sure the Chicago Bears are looking at tape and going, "How did he do that? <laughs> how did he do that?" But they were all they, the the Bears were supposed to be really really good this year, and I'm not what? so. Yeah, where did you hear or read that? Was that, that was like you know this I, is all starting to come. You don't agree, really? Don't, they had the worst record in the league last year. I know, but all all I kept seeing was like, oh, they're. You I know, know there was optimism. Justin Fields was doing so much better near the end of the year last year. Uh, no, not passing. Nobody runs. I don't. Yeah, but don't, you know how many yards he ran for against us? Uh, no. How many? Three. Wow. Well, four carries. That's because we're good. Um, I'm going to look this up. That could be the lowest total he's ever had in a the game. There were three designed runs and one scramble, and uh, he went for a total of three yards. Three yards. Wow. Um, so this is a dude that ran for like 1,100 something yards last year. Uh, I can give you the exact number. Because you're ignoring me and no, I'm playing not. on your phone. I'm not. No, I'm actually taking care of the Todd Bowles radio show still, right still now. Still ignoring me. Uh, he ran for 1,143 yards, which is the second most ever to Lamar Jackson's um, MVP year, uh-huh. and is more than a little bit more than Michael Vick ever got in a season. Uh, and then, so that's what he ran for last year. Right. Let's look at his game logs, career game logs. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Oh, I didn't hit the button. You didn't hit the button, but that's okay. You're ignoring me. <laughs> That's all right. Okay, and his now when we're talking about starting a game. Okay, twelve nine. He had one three three for four. Yeah, that's the lowest rushing total he's ever had in a start. Wow. And he's got twenty nine starts. So. Jeez. Uh, yeah. So if you somehow manage to stop that aspect of his game, he still not has not yet developed into a above average passer. But I think the optimism, if there was any around the Bears heading into the season, is they felt people felt like they did the right thing, mm-hmm. trading down from one instead of ditching fields and starting new with another quarterback, right. and then getting DJ Moore and some draft assets in that, kind of improving a little bit the skill positions around him, trying to improve the offensive line, although they've struggled through two games. Some of that, Nate, they got Nate Davis to play one of the guard spots, or Ben, Dave, ben Jones, Nate Jones. Nate Davis, the guy who used to be with the Titans. Um, he was out for personal reasons. The guy yeah, they thought yeah. was going to be one of their tackle, their right tackle, Tevin Jenkins, a first-round pick from a couple years ago, is out again with an injury. Well, their defensive coordinator was out. <laughs> yeah, for personal reasons. We don't know what's behind But that, DJ Moore was there, so he started out like, uh-oh, we're in trouble again. And he, he actually was good. Yeah, he was. That's right why I'm that. saying that, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, geez, he's a buck killer. <laughs> you know? He's no Ricky Pearl. No, 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 <laughs> He's probably a better player than Ricky Pearl, but. Yeah, well, he, Ricky always made the play when he had to, but that's a whole other thing. So, um, where was I going with that? Uh, we the Bears aren't. I yeah, we said the Bears were tangent. supposed to be good, so now they're not. I th- you know, they, they made the. 
sign some up the middle players, a mm-hmm. couple linebackers, a couple defensive tackles to try to make their defense better, which was really bad last year, partially because they traded away Roquan Smith and uh, a pass rusher I can't think of right now. Right. Um, maybe Leonard Floyd. Was it Leonard Floyd? Anyway, in any case, they traded away two of their better defensive players. Oh, I think it was Quinn. Ah. Uh, they traded away two of their best defensive players, and they just got worse. Right. But they made some big signings, and you're like, okay. Maybe. They, they, they're doing the right things, but so far – it's early. It's two games. But yep. so far, it's not working out. Right. Anyway, enough on the Bears. Sure. We're done with them. Yes. Don't have to face them for another – play us. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which I'd take. Oh, yeah. That Here. means we're in the playoffs. Here. All right. Um, we're, we just talked a little bit about Baker. Let's expand on that a little bit. I thought it was a really good game for him. He went 26-34. Mm-hmm. I agree. He – Got the Bucks out of some bad spots by eva- avoiding those tackles, uh, sacks, throwing the ball away when it needs to be thrown away. There you go. That's a big one, right? There you go. Um, he's not playing. He's not out there playing hero ball yet. He still hit some big plays. So right. he's doing what um, Dave Knauss wants him to do: go for the big plays when it's the right time to do so. Yes, when you've got it. And that was the knock on Baker Mayfield that he was too much of a gunslinger. He threw a lot of picks. I feel like the, he and, definitely and, had that mentality. Uh huh. Uh-huh. But I, I do like what Todd has to say about about the situation Baker Mayfield is in right now with the Buccaneers. Is that he doesn't have to be the engine. He just has to drive the car. Yeah. Which he doesn't have to do everything. He doesn't. And I think um, they don't want him to have to do no. that. No. They're trying to make this a quarterback-friendly offense where if he just does the right things and takes the shots at the right time. Right. And through two weeks, it's worked. Yep. What I'm most amazed by, and I give credit to our communications department for coming up with this okay. after the game, he's been unbelievably good on third downs. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to get better on third downs as a quarterback because everybody knows you're throwing most right. of the time, right? Right, He's got a 132.2 passer rating on third downs. Really? So He's completed 20 of 23 passes on third downs. Wow. His touchdown to Mike came on third down. Yeah. That's incredible. That's good game. Time. Actually, both of our touchdowns yeah. came on third down. Uh-huh. Um, we didn't necessarily capitalize as well as we should in the red zone, and we had a kick blocked. But that one touchdown for Rashad White was pretty cool. Yeah. You don't see a lot of called just straight off guard mm-hmm. runs on third and goal from the four. But they did because mm-hmm. they thought they had a play that would work. And they were right. And they were right. Yeah, and that was one of the things Baker said after the game was over with is that, yeah, happy we won. Yeah, happy we scored points. But golly, got to do better in the red zone. We're getting down there or just we've got to finish it. We've got to finish yeah. it. Yeah, and, you know, it's easy. Those are all, it's a lot easier to, to say, hey, that's what you need to fix. When, did you, when it's after a loss. Well, I yeah, mean a win. win. When it's yeah. after a win, you can go. It feels a lot better to go, okay. We we won. It was maybe some people yep. may think it's an ugly win, but we also know how we can get better. Yeah, and um, and they know what they've done wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not always the same guy, but they know right. what they've done wrong on critical plays in the red zone. So they can work on that. And I think you know, I think uh, the offensive line is coming together quite nicely. It's not there yet, but I think it's better than most people thought it was going to be. Jeff, are you gonna? I just got an email. Are you gonna take advantage of the team offering free salsa dancing lessons? When? It's part. It's it's on Thursday, September twenty one in the evening. Wow. Uh, it's part of Hispanic Heritage Month. Really? 
I, so uh, I think you and Linda should go do some that's salsa dancing. September 21st. When is the 21st of September? It's the day after the game, right? Isn't no. No, it's Thursday. Wait a minute. That's like that doesn't make two sense. Two days from now. Yeah, yes. Today's Tuesday. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it, no. they, this isn't the first time they told us this is a reminder. Oh. 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 Okay. Yeah, that I can't. I can't be out. Two I'm going to be watching football on Thursday night. I can't be out two nights on school nights in a row. <laughs> we're going to be at the same place tomorrow. We are. We're going to go we to the Rondi yeah, Barber premiere. Premiere of what is called Prototype. Uh huh. The story about Rondi Barber's career that Stephen Lynch and, and Stephen those Lynch guys put yeah. together. Um, I've watched it. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be fun for Bucks fans. I really enjoy it. I think what. Uh, it's part of your life if you're a Buck fan. When you see, and it's going to be on YouTube uh, oh, starting, I think, on Thursday. I okay. think this is the premiere, and then you'll be able to see it. We'll on have to YouTube. remember to remind people of that next yeah. week. And um, I do know that. It's called Prototype The Legacy of Rondé Barber, and the premiere is being held at the Tampa Theater, which is a great venue. Yeah. And it's driven by Hertz, apparently. Yes, it is. Uh, and there is a red carpet. Yeah. And then there's the movie itself. Which is about an hour and 20 minutes long. And then there's right. a Legends panel. Yes. And guess who the host <laughs> is? And it's not me. <laughs> it was Casey Phillips, but she's not feeling well. Right. So I am going up there with Rondé, Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp, and Stephen Lynch. And we're just going to, you know, have a nice conversation. About I, have, I have to say, it, you're a natural fit to do that. Because a lot of things you already know. I'm not anywhere in Casey's league in terms of like, presenting a panel or running a, a show. Right. But this one kind of fits me well. It fits you really well. You just be you yeah. and and it'll go. I saw Ronnie today and I told him, he said, oh, you'll be fine. I'm like, yeah, in yeah. this one, I'm not worried about yeah. it. Yeah. I would be nervous in some other situations. Well, like the this. good news is with Brooks, Sap, and Ronde, they're they'll talkers. Talk lot, right? Yeah. And if you get in trouble, go to Sap and he'll talk for a while and you can <laughs> collect your thoughts and go again. What I really need is for either Gene or TJ to be on. <laughs> That's so true. So, yeah, Baker Mayfield, 132.2 pass rate That's on third great. down. I mean, what the heck? Yay. You you have to love it. You just have to love it. And there were big plays. Yeah. It's for as good as that win in Minnesota is. So I have a, a stat sheet called big plays, mm-hmm. which are defined as runs of 10 or more yards. Right. And um, passes, completions of 20 or more yards. Ah. We had, you know how many we had in the first game? No. One. Really? We had one play on offense. Wow. Uh, one big play on offense. Long play. Yeah. Uh, it was a. It was Mike, I think. Yeah, it was a 28-yard. Oh, it was Mike's 28-yard touchdown. Touchdown. One. This past week, we had. Over 20 yards? Uh, runs of 10 or more or passes of 20 more. I don't know. Seven. Nine. Really? Yes. Wow. Three, three runs and Three runs and six passes. Yeah, a lot of that was my. I think three of the were Mike, uh-huh. maybe four. Um, Trey Palmer had one. Chris had one. Yeah, for anybody that's thinking Mike's checked out because of his <laughs> uh, situation, where uh, you know he's in his last year of his contract, is oh no, they missed everything on that one. Or or if you think that he's you know trending downwards because yeah. of his age, he's been in sure. Ten years. Yeah, he looked like he lost. Watched the last two games. All he... I can say, if he lost a step, he's still pretty damn fast. Has he lost a step? No. I don't know. No. I'm just saying. He looks if, great. If anybody was. He feels it, great. He yeah. tells us that every time he does an interview. Yeah. Anybody that's saying, hey, uh, 
you know, he's lost a step. He likes this. He, he can lose three steps, and he'll still he'll be pretty strong. He likes this this offense because it's doing more with him. Yeah. He said that during training camp. So after the game, I asked him, hey, Mike, um, you said during camp that you were energized by this offense because it's doing, it's giving you a lot of new things to do. I'm like, was that any part on display today? And basically what he says was, I've always been able to do everything, uh-huh. but I'm doing all that more now. Like he's uh-huh. like, I sometimes I'm in the slot. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're using them in a lot of different ways. And, and as long as we're on that topic, I think I wondered, and I don't know if it was on this show or not, if I said it, but Russell Gage got hurt, right? Yes. That was, that was terrible that for was, Russell. Uh, uh, turned, up it against training camp. Yeah. With the it, was, it was up. Yeah. So it was such a, a hard blow for him, especially because his first year as a Buccaneer, mm-hmm. he struggled with injuries, got yeah. bad luck in that regard. But later in the year when he was healthy, he looked like exactly what we were looking hoping for. for. Yeah. And so we were hoping for a full season of that, and I'm sure he was too. Sure. He goes down. You find out you're okay depth-wise uh, because Devin Tompkins is, has developed as a pass catcher. Very much so. And Trey Palmer just – I don't know. I, you don't really expect fifth-round rookies to be good enough to be your third receiver right Yeah, I don't know where that came from. And then Rakeem Jarrett's even been getting in the game a little bit. So, uh, Great job on the scouting department of finding guys. Oh, man, so many of them. Really? We'll talk about Christian Izzian, and yeah. we'll talk to Christian Izzian yes. a little bit in a little bit. Um, so when Russell got hurt, I wondered, because Dave Canales had said they were going to use Chris Godwin in a different way mm-hmm. because, okay. So in the past three years in, from 20 to 22, he played 52%, 53%. And then last year, 60% of his snaps in the slot. Now he was really good at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's one of the NFL's best slot receivers and he's bigger than most of them. So he can help you in run blocking and he can be, he can fight off physical corners, but he's also got the good lateral movement and good hands that you need to be a good slot receiver, but it's a more punishing thing to play. Uh, yeah. So they won't, they wanted to get him on the outside more, not exclusively, but more, and, and use him in that way, too, and get him downfield a little bit more because he's shown earlier in his career that he could definitely do that, too. And then Russell Gage was basically the guy that was coming in with Mike and Chris in camp and practices and playing that third receiver role. And so when he went down, I'm like, well, does that mean we have to go back to Chris in the slot 60% of the time? Because it's Devin Tompkins good enough to be your slot guy. Trey Palmer didn't really seem like a slot yeah. guy. He seemed more like an outside take the top off kind mm-hmm. of guy. I don't know what Rakeem Jarrett is yet at this point. After two games, I was just looking at the numbers. They have stuck to it. And Chris Godwin is down to 33% of his snaps in the slot. So they still use him there, right. but they have definitely taken some of that off his plate, which is good. So you've had some of Devin Tompkins in there. You've had some of Trey Palmer and even Mike Evans, who normally doesn't play in the slot hardly at all has had a, like maybe 15%. Which keeps everybody guessing. Exactly. He's showing, Dave Canales is showing a lot of different looks. Uh-huh. And he's making it hard, obviously, to, he's making it harder for other teams to double-team Mike. It's, um, that's the thing, is the looks, he gives the same look, but it means different things. And that seems to be what everyone's been talking about. Uh, Jamel Dean was on the radio show, and he was asked, what's it like practicing against that offense? And he said, it, it's a really, you have to think because everything looks the same, but it doesn't go the same, That's which is pretty cool. That's what Dave was shooting for. Yeah. So it's good that it's So it seems out. to be going that route. The run game was a lot better, too. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, Chase Edmonds yeah. hurt. Um, I 
think it could be a while for him. Yeah. I don't think it was a minor injury. No. <clears throat> I'll no, tell you this much. It could be a few weeks out. It's not, it's not season ending. It's, I think it's a few weeks out. Um, I think it's possible that he could have a stint on IR, but like you said, that doesn't necessarily necessarily mean the end of a season. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not really much of an impact on, on your favorite thing, fantasy football. But oh my goodness, it's, it's been a running back apocalypse already. <laughs> it's Nick Chubb is out for the year, and if you, even if you don't uh, care that, about fantasy football, the, well, the fact that two running backs were taken out for the season. Giants. He's not out for the season. Well, he, okay, but he's out for a while. I'm getting to that. Okay, go ahead. No, no, it's fine. Well, I was just, I was just going to say, I'm beginning to think that running backs need to be paid up front. <laughs> you're, I, speak, you're, well, the, you're, you're preaching to the choir, but, not me, but the running backs. Yeah, but here's the thing: if if you're not going to pay the running back, then why are you running? Why are you working them so hard? Well, okay. So there's that. Chubb is Chubb hasn't gotten his second contract yet. I don't believe. No, he has not. But Barkley and he will still. Mm-hmm. He'll come back from this, and everybody. But Barkley had to come in for a, a low dollars compared to. I mean, he's getting he's, he's getting making, about a million more than the franchise tag would have mm-hmm. given him, and then he'll be back either the tagged again, probably not, or he'll have a chance to hit free agency again next year. Yeah. He got hurt, and he's had some injury issues in his career, and he'll be out. I don't know. I think I hear three weeks, maybe four. It's an ankle sprain, but it's not a high ankle sprain. So maybe he avoided disaster. Mm -hmm. So uh, as a person who has Saquon Barkley as their top back on one of his fantasy teams, that was thrilling news to hear. Yep. Uh, And Austin Eckler, he's kind of got an uncertain timetable. So it's... It's a hard It's a bummer. Yeah. And and I I hear um, people lamenting Nick Chubb getting hurt because he's... Coming in the season, I think he was considered the best pure running back in the league. And mm-hmm. he's just a lot of fun to watch. He and is. So I hear somebody say that, and they go, well, maybe Christian McCaffrey's in that argument, too. And I'm yelling at the screen, B. John Robinson, baby. Yes. Have you seen his highlights? I wish he wasn't with the Falcons. Yeah. I also have him on a fantasy team. They won because of him. He's so good. He's very he's good. as advertised. Mm-hmm. I am buying all the stock in the world on B. John Robinson. Yeah. I think by the end of the season – we're going to be saying he's the best running back in the NFL. Maybe, yeah. Maybe by uh, midseason. Unfortunately, we get to see him twice. <sighs> better uh, get your tackling sure. shoes on. Yeah, good test. Better get better bring some extra shorts because you might get juked out of them. <laughs> um, I'm glad you said juked out of them. I was thinking something. Else. Oh yeah, <laughs> <We'll> continue. <laughs> uh, you know. Oh, uh, so again, on. Um, uh, elsewhere around the league, also, did you see the uh, the pitch play at the end of the Miami New England game? Uh-huh. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that was pretty cool. You don't normally see a desperation thing like that right. almost work. Yeah, but th- I think it was a tight end. Was it Gasecki? He knows he they have to get the first down or they're going to lose. Right. He's several yards short of making it. And he's about to be tackled, so he pitches it back about five yards to I think it was Cole Strange, an offensive lineman, and he almost makes it. In fact, they initially say that he does, and then the, they take they, it back. They review the spot and decide he didn't make it. That was kind of disappointing. I was actually rooting for Miami, so that's okay. Yeah, but um, Miami's a fun team, and, and New England can be bad for twenty years, and for all I care, it seems like they're on track right now. Yeah, it's not. They haven't looked terrible. No. And their defense is pretty good, and they were, mm-hmm. Miami's offense is fantastic so far. So um, I don't know how much you can tell from that, but um, I don't know. It, it was it was a really cool play. I kind of wish it would have worked, 
but I, I am happy that New England lost. I, I thought a fun play was uh, Russell Wilson throwing the alley-oop or the Hail Mary at the very end of the That was Denver crazy. Game. That was That was spectacular. That was... You know, that is definitely the emotion of sports. You're a, you're a Bronco fan. You're complaining <laughs> because they're horrible and things aren't going right. They throw the Hail Mary. You score. Now all you got to do is get a two-point conversion. You're going to tie it. We're going to go into overtime. Oh, jeez. you didn't make it. And there may have been a little bit of pass interference I, on that You know, I kept looking at that, and I thought – that was I, I think it was I think they were fine. They could have gone I, either way with it. Probably, I disagree. But I, I saw you the thought it was passing interference. Pretty clear. Yeah. Passing interference. Well, well, that's what happens sometimes. But I'm not all that. I'm not really You're crying not in my cereal no. that um, Sean Payton's team is yeah. Oh, and two. It's a lot of especially two. after making a comment about how bad the coaching staff was last year. Well, it's yeah. not that you know the thing is it's not that that he was necessarily wrong. It's just that you don't say that. Well, you don't say it out loud. No. All right. So in in the AFC, there are Miami's two and zero, Baltimore's two and zero. That's it. Yeah. There's only two two and zero teams in the entire AFC. Yes. Which is a little bit of a surprise because you would have thought Kansas City would be so under. much more in the NFC. So then in the NFC we have Dallas, Philly, Washington. Yep. Washington two and zero. Who'd they be in Week One? Oh. Uh, I, I really went up a few octaves on yeah. that one. The command the Commanders. I, I don't remember. I can look. Arizona, uh, or is that who they just beat? I don't know. I have to. I have to check. But yes, they are two and zero. Oh. Um, nobody in the north. No. And then three teams in our division: Atlanta, New Orleans, and Tampa Bay. Uh huh. And then San Fran. Yeah. Which? They, what? What are your surprise teams? Us and everybody in the south. Yeah. Maybe I, I think some people like New Orleans. Um, Atlanta being two and zero. Oh, I mean. Quite honestly, they shouldn't be. I can't believe Green Bay lost that game. Um, uh, I thought they had it in hand. I went down to the locker room for the post game, and they were winning like I don't know twenty four, thirteen or something. And mm-hmm. they get back and and they lost. I'm like, wait a minute, they lost. That was unwelcome news. Whatever you think about the Packers, you got to root against the Falcons. Is that well? That's true. Dallas is not a surprise at two and zero, and that defense is is a terror. Philly. Uh, no, no surprise. Washington. Oh, Washington first week beat um, the Cardinals. That's what I said. So who did they beat yeah. this last week? Uh, I'd have to check. Uh, was it Denver? We were just talking about it. Yes. Denver. Yeah, Denver. That was the, the, oh, okay. the Hail Mary you were just talking yep, about. Yep, yep, So, oh, well, yeah, but Denver and, and uh, Arizona are both going too, so that 2-0 doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah, well. So I don't think any – Washington's the biggest surprise there. We would be considered a surprise. San Francisco, definitely not. Uh-huh. Yeah, San Francisco's not a surprise. But it's hard to win games in a row. Okay, I'll now, say this. Dallas is 2-0 and with a net point differential of plus 60. Mm-hmm. Washington's is plus 6. So who feels more real there? Ah. Uh-huh. New Orleans is 2-0 and with a net point differential of 4. Wow. Ours is 13. San Francisco, 30. Atlanta, 15. 30? Who, San Francisco? Yeah. They're good, man. Yeah. Wow. They got a good like – they're good on both sides of the ball. Well, yeah, they're well coached. Too. Okay, so if, um, just before we move on to uh-huh. Christian, let's talk about the next game a little bit. Okay. Um, Philly yes. coming in here for Monday Night Football. We already talked about how it's an opportunity for the Buccaneers to prove who they are. Yeah, that this is for real and not a fluke or right. just feasting on bad teams. I'm with you. Uh, it's 
I think we can hang, mm-hmm. which means we can win. Uh, but it's a challenge. And Philly, I don't think Philly has played as well the first two weeks. I agree. As they even would expect. I agree. So there's room for them to improve. Right. Um, but I would say that I, I know last year their defense had 70 sacks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the front line was a terror. But I feel like their offense, and this probably isn't really an out-of-the-box statement, but their offense is much more solid than their defense. I don't think there's a hole on offense. They don't have a position that's not great. Their offensive line was considered the best in the league last year. Right. And I think that's probably accurate. They only lost one starter from that. Mm-hmm. And it was probably their fifth of, if you rank their five starters, three of them went to the Pro Bowl. Jason Kelsey, Landon Dickerson, and Lane Johnson. And then their left tackle, that converted rugby player, or Australian Wheels football, I don't remember which one, Jordan Melata, uh-huh. who is 6'8 and 365 pounds, right. has really developed into a nice NFL player. Yeah, interesting. Their two games were um, against New England. Yeah, which they. Which was 25 to 20. That was a relatively close game Very throughout. Close game. And then. Their last Thursday night game was against the Vikings, 34-28. But they were up 27-7. to So is that two 0-2 teams, or did the Patriots No, that's two 0-2 teams. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Philly's not for real. <laughs> Just checking. When you're only two games in, yeah, well, and I, you're responsible I, for half their losses, you know. Sure. It doesn't but, mean anything yet. I know. I know. I'll give you that I don't think Chicago's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be proven wrong. But we don't know about Minnesota. I, no. I, I know they had... I don't know if lucky is the right word, but uh, a very unusual season last year where they won all those. Yeah, we won 13 games. They were so still everyone, pretty good. Yeah, they thought they were going to be. But that's just that's what I'm. That's what I love about the NFL. You don't know yet, or you didn't. You don't know. You definitely don't know after two weeks because no team is the same. Not everybody's oh, yeah. on the team, and there's always going to be three or four teams that are way better than you thought. Yep. And three or four that are way worse than you thought. But this is. I like the fact what you're saying is this is a this is a good opportunity. Uh, to go three and zero, you know you're hoping for the best. It, it's going to be. I I don't. I'm not discounting that you can't win this game because I I really believe you can. Yeah, I wanted to finish what I was saying about their offense. So you, let's start. The offensive line was considered the best in the league mm-hmm. last year. It probably is easily a top five line. No they question. only lost one starter from, and it was, it was Isaac Simaulo. Yep. And they replaced him with the guy they drafted specifically for this in the second round, mm-hmm. Cam Jurgens in 2022. Uh, so the offensive line, probably top five. Quarterback, he was the runner-up in the NFL MVP ballot I, last year. Yeah, I, think they got so a, I think they got their quarterback. Top five. Yeah, I think they got their quarterback. There's a lot of good quarterbacks, but I think he still qualifies as a top five. Their starting receivers of Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, I'm comfortable putting them in that duo in the top five in the yeah. NFL. I think we have one as well. Sure. Um, there's a lot of good receivers in the NFL, but those guys are both really, really good and in different ways. Dallas Goddard, I wouldn't argue against him being a top five tight end. And then their running back room is, they for years they've been basically by committee. They got DeAndre Swift, who the Lions clearly didn't like anymore. He's been really good so Very far. Very good for them. Uh, I think Kenneth Gainwell's banged up, but they also have Boston Scott and they have Rashad Penny. They tend to use those guys by committee. So I wouldn't put the Eagles backfield top five in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But they're not bad. Right. So they're top five pretty much everywhere else on offense, and their their backfield is still pretty good. Yeah. That's a challenge, man. Now, are you counting the quarterback as a running back? Well, that's a good point. 
That's a good point. I don't think that they. I don't think that they want him to run that much. No, you don't. But he can. But he's a threat. Very much so. And that makes it harder to defend them. Mm-hmm. So uh, defense. Okay, they've used their their top picks in the last two drafts on Georgia defensive tackles, Jordan Davis and uh, Jalen Carter. Jordan Davis hardly did anything at all as a rookie, but he was playing behind Javon Hargrave, who was one of the best DTs in the league and got a huge deal with San Francisco. Those two guys have come out of the gates hot. Yeah. Uh, so they still have Sweat. They have Josh Sweat, right? There's a Montez Sweat. I think that's what Washington. I think there's Don't sweat. sweat the small stuff. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. You're welcome. Um, so, But it is but the they, but it, but Okay, is they the lost Eagles. both of their starting off-ball linebackers, and then one of the guys they were planning on playing there, N'Kobe Dean, another Georgia guy, is on injured reserve. Uh, they've had some injury issues uh, James Bradbury and Reed Blankenship in the secondary both missed the last game. You know who played a ton? Yeah. Was our former guy, Justin Evans. Yes. Who's made a pretty nice return to the NFL after being out for years. <sighs> so good for him. But it is against the Eagles and Rondé Barber's being honored at halftime. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So that'll be interesting to see. Rondé is being honored. He's getting his um, Hall of Fame ring. Oh, he gets a ring now? Yeah. He didn't get it before? No, okay. I think that's when they present it. Um, so that'll be big doings, as we like to say. It's going to be big doings. Is Donovan McNabb coming? I don't know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Probably got intercepted on the way down. Donovan McNabb catching strays. Wow. Yeah. Poor guy. No, I mean, he had a great career. Sure he did. Sure he did. Except not against Rondé. Not against Rondé, who also got him for two pick sixes in a 2006 game. Yeah. So, But it'll be a, it'll be a fun matchup. Good game. So. We'll see. Yeah. And- but, but I will say if, if, um, well, I'm not, I'll wait till next week before I say that. Okay. Yeah. I'll save it. Cool. All right. What do you got? Uh, no, that's good. Let's, okay. uh, let's uh, wrap it up. We're going to get to let's our interview with Christian Izian and then we'll come back to answer your question. The Salty Dogs. And we're back here on the Salty Dogs Podcast. I'm Scott Smith. I'm Jeff Ryan. And now we have our special guest with us. We're really excited about this one. Christian Izian, the rookie who's already making NFL uh, news. Uh, he's with us today. Two interceptions already in your first few games. I Thanks know. for your time, first of all. Sure. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. Uh, my pleasure. Now, uh, for the fans, we actually you actually agreed to do this last week, and then we found out you went into the concussion protocol. And so, obviously, we weren't going to do that. Uh, yeah. But, obviously, that must not have been too bad. I guess you, it wasn't a very serious one. You, yeah, you no, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't really serious. But, uh, you know, I took the proper precautions, you know, yeah. just to get through the protocol and uh, ultimately be able to play this week. So That occurred on that Justin Jefferson hit? Yeah, just, you know, just some like minor minor damage within, you know, the chest and the head area, stuff like that. A little that, that, you, you didn't see him coming at all, did you? No, not at all, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but that was still an incredible play in your very first game, probably – Without uh, coach, I think one Dave Canales maybe said that without that play, we might not have won that first game in Minnesota. So it was from watching it from the outside, it was really kind of hard to see what happened until we saw the replay. So can you kind of describe how you got that interception? Yeah, it was uh, more one of those um, you know man zone type coverages where it starts off as man, you know later it gets in the zone type thing, and uh, it's a tight window down there. So you know everything happens fast. So when you see the quarterback looking at you, you kind of want to squeeze that route because you kind of think it's your man and. Uh, it's just an instinct thing. I swiped at the ball, you know, trying to get it out, and I was able to. He he coughed it up, and uh, on on the other way I was. So it did hit his hands. Yeah, it did hit his and, hands. Yeah. And then you swiped it clear, and it was just kind of hanging there, and you pulled it in with one hand. Yeah, it was more like 
more like just my hand was in there, and okay. I was like, I was looking at the ball. I could see he was kind of juggling it still. So I was like, shit, I might as well grab yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Um, I was amazed you were able to hold on to the ball after you got hit. Yeah. From from out of nowhere. I mean, you're not expecting it. Were you seeing open field? Yeah. 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 So it was more like a you know, just growing up. I played I played offense a lot growing That's up. So, yeah. Okay. Next thing I was gonna ask. Yeah, yeah, I had the instincts already. Just you know, just to hold on to the ball tight. You know, you never know where someone's gonna hit you from. But yeah, I was seeing green grass. I was thinking I was getting my first pick six. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then you got another interception in game two. Actually, the one that kind of sealed the victory. And I think somebody already told you, but you're just the fourth undrafted player in NFL history to have an interception in each of his first two games. Did you know that if you get another one this week, which we'll be rooting for, yeah. that would be a record, man. That would yeah. be the first one ever. Yeah, definitely, you know, something in my mind. But, uh, you know, not like I said, not forcing it to happen. You sure. know, just, if it happens naturally like it has been these past two weeks, you know, then it does. But I was going to go out there and play my game. Have the guys given you a hard time on the second interception about how they could have had it, but they didn't get it? <laughs> oh, yeah, Winfield. Winfield's giving me the hardest time. <laughs> no, you know, like everybody's happy for me. You know, like I said, we that's our brand of defense. You know, that's our, our brand of football that we play on that side. So we're just happy that we're creating takeaways. Maybe they should, you know how they do half sacks? Yeah. Maybe they should have half interceptions. From the guy who it's has the right. Maybe the maybe the other way around. Yeah. Right. If Winfield got it, he'd be saying, you know, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've thrown it out there a couple of times saying, you know, first undrafted guy to do this. So let's talk about that. Uh, it's not really common because I've looked back. Undrafted guys make the team every year and make teams all across the league every year. Yeah. But not a lot of them come right out of the gate with a starting spot. And you're the starting slot corner. I know, depending on the alignment, you may or may not actually start the game, but mm-hmm. you're the starting corner. Um, when you got here to the Bucks and, and after the draft and the OTAs and all that, did you see that as a realistic goal? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I seen that as a realistic goal anywhere I went. Um, whether I went drafted or not, uh, it was my plan to come out, you know, for NFL team and be an immediate impact. And um, it just happened to be here in Tampa where, you know, I had a, a past relationship, you know, as Coach Bull's son, you know, being yeah. at Rutgers and right. all that stuff. So, you know, him talking to me, you know, him telling me his plan for me, you know, when I got here. And, you know, I just did my part, you know, in the training camp, you know, made the plays I had to make, did my job, and uh, ultimately everything fell into place. Are you surprised how much success you're having so quickly? Or are you just like, yeah, no, I'm just playing ball? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm honestly, I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, I, I, like I say, I credit a lot of stuff to my preparation that I have, and um, a lot of it that's big for me because, you know, a lot of guys don't know how, how much it takes to, about a week of preparation to, to go into a game to, you know, recognize plays and formations. And you know, like I said, I'm a nickel. I come in, you know, majority passing down. So maybe the ball's coming to me, you know, I'll have high antennas. So, no, I'm not surprised at all. You know, I just play ball, run to the ball, and good things will happen. I've kind of argued in, in a couple of last podcasts that we need a new term for slot corner or nickel corner because yeah. more and more now you see guys that are labeled as safeties mm-hmm. playing that. So that's what – see, that's why it kind of can kind of be confusing to fans of the game when they hear, okay, the Buccaneers signed an undrafted safety and now he's the slot corner. I'm like, how did that come about? But – you told me earlier in camp that you actually played that position your entire senior year. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I played safety, both safeties uh, through freshman through like junior year, and this my senior year I transitioned to nickel, and I was I feel like that was the best fit for me and my team at Rutgers at the time. You know, just to get me and me involved more involved in a run, um, you know, play some short okay. game and the media stuff, and yeah. What does it take to be a really good slot slot corner or slot back? Let's call it. Yeah, okay. yeah. It, you know, it takes instincts. You know, okay. like a lot of you know disguising. You know, playing with the quarterback's head pre-snap. And um, just takes physicality. You know, you got to be in there for the run sometimes as well. So you know, got to run to the ball. You got to be physical. You're uh, on a team with 
maybe the greatest slot that in their history has maybe the greatest slot corner of yeah. all time. A guy that really redefined the role, Hall of Famer Rondé Barber. Mm-hmm. And one thing he did really well was blitz out of that spot. Yeah. And I have noticed you're getting some, you're definitely getting some rips, reps, blitz in the quarterback. Is that something that you feel is, is you know, can produce? For yeah, you? definitely. I mean, uh, I take it really serious. You know, in college, I practice a lot. You know, my blitz angles off of okay. off of linemen, you know, off of running backs. So something you may see more of, you know, in the future, me getting to the quarterback and making plays on the ball. You got a guy on your team who's really good at that too. Andrew oh yeah, Winfield. oh yeah. I watch a lot of him too. So. <laughs> yeah. Can you learn from him, or is it just like you? You just kind of have to have the instincts. I know I learn a lot. I learn a lot from him. You know that that TFL that I had uh, this past week oh, on right. that on that on Justin Fields play. You know, just watching him in past games slither under the tackle. You know, make it reduce his surface area, surface area to make himself you know a slimmer person and go unnoticeable. You know, we're already smaller to the ground, so guys are not really trying to turn their body to make, you know, it changes to block us. So we kind of go untouched under there, you know, make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Have, have you cool. already looked at Chicago – or I'm sorry, have you already looked at um, the, the Eagles? Eagles? Yeah, I, I watched them a lot last night. I watched the last two games So last what, do you, what, what do you think about this game? Um, you know, they're a good team, just like, you know, every other good – every other team in the NFL, they're a good team. You know, they have, you know, good things. They have strengths. They have weaknesses. So uh, just going to the game, seeing how I'm going to I'm gonna attack that. Who, who plays in the slot most for them? Um, you know, they mix it up. They okay. have a 16 there sometimes, or they'll have a 11. But, you know, it depends, I guess, on their formation or what they're trying to attack that play, that they, who they have there. I don't remember who's 16 and 11. Well, no. I think it's Gainwell, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you have a nickname? Yeah, Crafty is my nickname. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're, uh, so, How'd that how – I mean, I'm, I can think of many reasons why <laughs> you have that nickname, but I want to know the real reason why. Yes, you know, growing up, uh, I grew up in New York City, as you guys know, and I played uh, I played football. You know, a lot of guys play basketball. I played football. So, just growing up since I was six years old playing football, I scored a lot of touchdowns growing up. I was more <laughs> offensive-minded back in those days. So, I, had, I was smaller always, you know, so just being shifty, you know, being able to make plays and just make guys miss. And I got the nickname Chris Crafty. That's what it started as. Yeah, I started as Chris Crafty, and I just branched it off, you know, just yeah. to Crafty, and I got, you know, got the pen and all that stuff, yeah. you know, started the brand of myself as in, and it just it just stayed with me through college and high school and all that stuff. Yeah, Coach, right. Coach Bowles actually dropped that word in one of his press conferences. Yeah, I heard it. I don't know if he yeah. – did he do that on purpose? You I think, wasn't or? sure. I don't know, but if he did, if he did, that's great. He's helping you brand, man. Yeah, definitely. Well, you keep playing like you are. That name's going to stick. Yeah. No question. Definitely. Um Okay, so you, you said you're from New York City. You're down here in Florida now. What do you think of Tampa so far? Uh, Tampa's great. I actually trained out here uh, pre-combine. Oh. I trained out there uh, H- uh, HOA, house okay. athlete. So I was familiar with the area. I actually had my car down here, and I shipped it back to New York oh. before the draft. <laughs> Whoops. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to go back in Tampa. I shipped it back down. So, What yeah. happened to the confidence? You would have kept your car. I didn't know you would end up in Tampa. Well, I just he could have gone anywhere. I know, but you know, the man just told me it's not Jeff, a big deal. Jeff, were you a Jets or a Giants fan growing up? Yeah, yeah, a Jets fan growing Jets, up. Oh, yeah. Wow, you are a diehard fan. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> That's oh, all yeah. I got to say about the we, Jets. We've been through some tough times. But, yeah. that, that, what do you mean uh, been through? You're still going through tough times. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of bad luck yeah. this year. Uh, okay, but it, specifically about Tampa, especially this last game. Yeah. I mean, have you played in a game that hot and humid before? Um, no, actually, I haven't yet. This uh, this game was a challenge. You know, yeah. I knew it was, was going to be a challenge. You know, one o'clock game. We practiced around that time in training camp, so we kind of got yeah. ourselves kind of prepared for it. But you know, it's a game, so you never really can prepare for that type of heat. But you know, we, I think we did a good job. You know, we didn't have too many. We didn't have guys really cramping up or guys wheezing. You know, we got in position. When they went, hurry up. You know, we did the right things to put ourselves in position. So All we, right, we got to get you out of here because yep. we got a meeting in a few minutes. But just one more question: uh, Bucks are two and zero. You probably know. Uh, I don't know how much you pay attention to it. That outside analysts 
really didn't have a lot of expectations for this team mm -hmm. coming into the season. So what is the what is the mood inside the building here? I mean, you guys don't think this is a fluke by any means, right? And you, you consider yourself contenders? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, like I said, we, we got here and uh, uh, for OTAs. Uh, I seen the team. You know, I seen what we had in the locker room, and I seen all the talent that we had. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't too, I wasn't too in tune to what the outside media had to say about us, but I knew what we had. So, seeing what the outside media had to say about us was kind of shocking because I, I knew the type of guys we had in here, and, and I knew we were going to play like how we were now. So, awesome. Well, thank do you. you yeah. Do you prefer um, Christian or do you prefer Chris? Uh, either one is fine, but Chris, oh. Chris is good. Chris, you yeah, like Chris? Chris? Yeah. Okay, Chris, Chris Crafty. Chris, Chris right. Crafty, it is. Thank you for your right, time, Christian. Thank, thank you for your time, and, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. The Salty Dogs. And we're back here one more time on the Salty Dogs podcast. Uh, thank wow. you to Christian Izian for joining us. Yes. Um, I forgot to give a note. I forgot to give that note. I'm, I'm glad I, he was here that I talked to him about um, about how he's the first uh, undrafted. He's one. He's the fourth undrafted rookie to have an interception in each of his first two games wow. in NFL history. And it, I mean, I, we were talking about yeah, that. Yeah, in NFL history. So that's cool. Um, hopefully he can make a three. Mm. Um we also got a bit of news. Yeah. As, right now while we're uh, recording. Right. How about that? It's not going to be – we're doing this on this part of it. Right. We're doing this on Tuesday. But it's interesting because how you were ranting about and raving. I should say you were raving. About Jake about, Yes. He's going to be named the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Yeah. For week two. Led all NFC punters with three punts inside 20 in week two. Uh, yeah. Ah, everything you said, 72 punt, longest punt for any NFL, NFC punter since the start of the 2020 season. Did you know that? Well, that's not. That's actually not true because he had a 74-yarder last year. Well, it said it's tied for the longest. That's what it says. I don't make this up. Well, mm. it's not true because he had a 74-yarder Well, last year. then we're going to get that correct. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, um, that was good. Very now good. Now let's get to the fans' questions. We've got a lot of them. I'm not, a, I'm not even – I mean, unless we want to be on here for three hours, I'm not 100% sure we can get to all these. No. But that's a good problem to have. Well, we can get to all of them. We just have to answer them I want, faster. I want this guy to email us again, hopefully another good question, and then right. give me a phonetic of okay. pronouncing his last name. Right. It's T-E-R-A-O-K-A. -A. So – Taroka? Taroka? Terioka? Terico? Teriyaki? <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay. I, not no. making fun of this. I'm no. making fun of myself for not We're being trying to. So this came in at 415. So what this fan was doing was watching the game, and as soon as it ended, he fired off his thoughts here. <laughs> I like that. I do too. Hello, Sultaneers. Mm. Just finished our Bucks tranquilized the Bears. I'm so happy for Shaq Tranquilized. At least he didn't say we killed the Bears. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I'm so happy for Shaq Barrett to get that pick six. Yes. It made me want to shed a tear for him. Another mm. gritty win. Yes. My question is, have you guys noticed Devin Tompkins during victory formations do some sort of acrobatic flip? I have. Is there a way to shed light on this for the cameraman to keep him on camera during victory formation downs? Yeah. We, I have seen it, and probably uh, if you go back to Buccaneers.com, go to Baker Mayfield's mic'd up. Exactly. You need – that's the – should we say what he said? Yes. Don't embarrass us? Yeah. Yeah. It's because he was going to do a front flip, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so, he, this was part – this was planned. Yep. That's real. He's pulling it off. You, you are correct. You have seen that. That's good. I don't know if we can have much influence on the network cameras, though. Nope. So, I don't know if we can help you there. Right. 
But you saw it and enjoyed it, and that's the best part. Well, all it. I want to do is I want him to have like 13 More flips. victory formation flips <laughs> this season. All right, all right, another question from the same, de- yep. same dude. Hello, Sultaneers again. Sorry, second email within an hour. Nothing about that to oh, apologize no. for. Is Christian Izian's two interceptions one of his one of his? I think he's saying two interceptions in his first two games, one each. The first time in Bucks history for a rookie to start their career, especially for an undrafted free agent rookie. Now, since I've already told you, yeah, that only four players in NFL history, not the Bucks, but NFL history, sure. undrafted free agents have had a pick in each of their first two games. I'm sure you think the answer to that is, yes, he's the yeah. first one. But nope. It, nope. <laughs> one of the other three was a guy named Ray Isom, I-S-O-M, in 1987. It was not during the replacement games because I tend to discount yeah. um, the uh, – They were called scabs. Yeah, they and I'm not – I, I tend to discount them when I'm doing these notes, not because I'm trying mm-hmm. to name call them like you just did, mm-hmm. but because – Well, it, I'm just that was just a term that they used. But because it was a different – it was basically a different sport. It'd sure. be like counting a guy's yeah. XFL stats. Yeah. It was a bunch of guys that were not in the league playing a team of a bunch of mm-hmm. other guys that were not in the league. So mm-hmm. I don't think it makes sense to include them in, in the when you're I believe doing Sean Payton research. played there in, during that time. I think you're right. Um, so, Jim Zorn did, too. Okay, but so, before anyway, they yes. went on strike. No, it was actually after, oh. but it was his first two games. Okay, wow. It wasn't the first two games I of that season. I did not season. know this. I would have... I there were two know. other guys whose names escape me now, but Ray Isom... For the Buccaneers, so yeah. two two. What whatever. number do you wear? I don't know. Okay, continue. Would you remember him if you knew his number? No, I just was curious. So good question there, Richard uh, yeah. from San Gabriel, Thank California. You. All right, another one from Don Little in Orlando, Florida. Okay, this one's a bit a little bit long. All right, but we discussed this at the lunch table today. Oh, so and then I went out and talked to our groundskeeper. Oh yes, yes. our longtime, highly respected well, groundskeeper, Rob Julian. In fairness, you asked me and I gave you an answer and I wasn't very good at explaining it. And I was frustrating the you know what out of Scott Smith by going, well, you ch- yes, you no. Your mind a few well, times. I was going back and forth. I didn't know how to explain it, but now I you can. I think you got close enough to the answer. Now, Rob is not in charge of the field over at no. the stadium, but he knows everything that's going he on. He does. And has worked on that field before. Yes. So he had a very specific and accurate answer for mm-hmm. me. So here's what, uh, let me read Don's question. He's uh-huh. Don Little from Orlando, Florida. Okay. Ahoy ye old salty dogs. I was watching the Alabama versus USF game this past Saturday at RJS and was reminded of how much work much must be involved to convert the stadium back and forth between the Bulls and the Bucks when they play at home on the same weekend. And you ain't wrong about that, Don. That's true. I was somewhat concerned since the game on Saturday was partially played in a heavy downpour. By the way, I'm going to stop here for a second. I was watching that game at home, too. Uh-huh. And my wife, Giselle, came in the room, and, and I'm like, look, I'm like, look, it's pouring. Right. And she walked outside, and it's like, I'm, pre- I'm maybe 10 minutes from the stadium. And, what, and it was sunny. And, what was, and it never rained at our house. No. And what was crazy is all week last week, it rained here and never rained <laughs> in your area or mine. That is so weird. Because I was watching the game, too, and I kept looking outside going, well, good. We're going to get some rain and nothing. And you and I live in similar, relatively yeah. same distance from the stadium, but in in different directions. Sure. Uh, so that's funny. Anyway, back to the question. Mm-hmm. He was concerned that the Bucks would have to play on a chopped up and sloppy field on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I was relieved to see that the field seemed to be in very good condition, and I didn't notice any players slipping or losing their footing on Sunday. I agree with all of that. Totally. When I got down, totally. got up in the press box and looked out of the the 
uh, window, I was like, huh, I would never even know. Yeah. You look good. The Bucks obviously have an excellent ground screw. That is true, but Very in this true. case, that's two different things. Right. Um, but they, they do consult each other. But so in honor yeah. of them, I offer the following questions. Question one, what exactly is involved in changing out the Bucks logo at midfield? I noticed there was a large rectangular area of really green grass around the logo. Do they change out the sod to replace the logo, or is it just a repaint job, or some of both? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly the answer. Okay, so here's Depends what Depends on what happens. Here's what they do. So if the Bucks play, and then the next team that's going to play is the Bulls. Right. Then they do change it out. They tear up that square. It's like 40 by 40, by 40 mm-hmm. or something. Or something 60 like by that. 60. Yeah, whatever. Um, they tear that up. They, they toss that. It's not saved somewhere. Nope. It's tossed. They bring in a new square of the same size, and they put that down. And that is actually grown on plastic. You're right. And they have developed a way to pretty reliably grow grass on plastic that when you put it down, it roots very quickly. Right. So there's no concerns like there wasn't maybe in that Super Bowl. Sure. That it's going to, it's not going to slide. Yeah. It's not going to connect. Okay. So um, you remember the game in Arizona? I do. After they'd played a bowl game and they had heated the field from underneath yeah. for some reason and it killed all the roots and then we played and everybody's like no kicker could make a kick it was like sand it was like 92 or 93 yeah, yeah. that was at uh, Tempe Stadium it was at uh, Sun Devil Stadium yeah Sun Devil in, Stadium in Tempe yeah um oh, lost my train of thought right. so they bring that in they brought that in with the bulls logo painted but only in white mhm they didn't do full color correct and they didn't do the end zones they left the end zones blank uh so that's the way they want to do it is is bringing in the thing, but you can't. The NFL rules prohibit you from doing that if it's less than forty eight hours before the next game. Correct. They can't cut it up, put a new piece in within forty eight hours. It has to be longer than forty hours before the next game. Yeah. So the Bucks' only option was to repaint, and that's why my answer at lunch was so difficult because I couldn't. You kind of did a little bit of yeah, all of that. I couldn't explain how it worked. After I talked to Rob Julian, I realized what you were trying to say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. They will normally take out that square at, at not a small cost, by no. the way, and, and put in a new one. And that's why, yes, you could see that that square was greener than the rest of the field. And But in this case, they painted over it. And according to Rob, I didn't really notice. I don't know if you did. You could sort of see the USF logo bleeding through a little bit. Yeah, if you look really, really hard, you could, but you're not paying that much attention And then to their, um, the end zones had been Tampa blank, yeah. so they just, they just painted. Sure. Now, the next game being played there is actually the Bulls again on Saturday. So they're right. going to take out that square again. Sure. And then because we don't play until that night. Or no, their game is on Tuesday. Friday. Right. Is so it Friday. Yeah, it's Friday. Okay. So the I didn't I failed to ask Rob if they were going to cuz that would well, be that more would be than 48, 48, yeah, more than 48 be, hours. That's 72. So if they want to bring in a new piece rather than repainting, they can't. Yeah, because if they play an afternoon well, even if they play an evening game, that's almost that's over that's almost 72 hours yeah. cuz we're not playing yeah, until that exactly. night. Yeah, exactly. So, um I will have to wait and see what they do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so good good noticing there. But as you talk Don. about the turnaround, not only is the field turned around, but the stadium gets turned around and that all starts immediately after I know, that game's over those with. guys. And there are people in this building on the events uh, staff, our events team, who handle Bucks Beach, handle all the bunting in the stadium. Their call time was 2.30 a.m. <laughs> on Sunday. That's crazy. For a 1 o'clock game. Wow, I do not even so, know. So they got to work at 2.30 to turn it around. 
It is a process, and yeah. it, it's quite amazing. They, I bet they hate those weekends. It, it's a long weekend. Mm. Yep. So. All right. Good, good question, question. Yeah. All right. This one is from a fan that we've heard from before who co-hosts a radio show in Australia. Oh, yeah. He's a, a presenter. Yes. Elliot Lovejoy. Mm-hmm. Who's coming? Uh, yeah. I'm glad you remembered that. Yeah. Uh, good day, guys. Scott, I mentioned to you I am coming over to see the Bucks play at the end of the year for the first time ever. Cool. Whereabouts do you recommend booking seating-wise for those having their first time at RJS Stadium? R- he's or RJ Stadium, which is correct. I said it wrong. Uh-huh. I'll be there for the Christmas Eve game against the Jacks. Oh. I, uh, my first thought was there's no bad seats. No. At Raymond James Stadium, no. And this is during the day, right? Uh, yeah, 4 o'clock. Four fifty four. If four, possible, you'd prefer to be on the. Is at that time of the year. It's not going to matter. It's it, not going to matter. It's no, not going to be that hot. It's not going to be that hot, and it's going to be half yes. the game's going to be in dark because it'll be dark okay. by five thirty. All right, so you don't have to worry about sitting right. on the, the sunnier side, which is the opposite side from mm-hmm. the press box. So it'd be the east side, right? Wonder who he's coming with. Well, I don't know. Oh, just curious. Um, what do you like? What would you buy? Would you get club? Would you you splurge for? Let's say money's not an op, uh, not an obstacle. Well, y'all, club seats. club seats are really really nice because you can go inside or outside. They're yeah, very you can very go nice. inside and yeah. go to go to bars or restaurants, um, and and if it's hotter. But I will or say, something. I will say, even the three hundred level is a lot of fun. There's there's you know, there, there I have gone to the very top of, of Raymond James Stadium and sat down and looked down at the field to see what it would be like, and. Sometimes it, I can honestly say it's better than some of the broadcast booths we we broadcast from. So, um, I, fun fact about me: yeah. I've never been to an NFL game as a fan. Really? Um, wow. So, so I am not the perfect one for this question. Sure. I think I'd like club seats. I don't think I'd want to sit in the end zone, especially near the pirate ship. Pirate ship. Some I, people like that. They like it because it's yeah. They it is kind of like a party over there. It is a party. The end zones are are, are a party atmosphere, but yeah. I just think from a view from I, if I only got to go to one game, which I don't know if Elliot's going to yeah. get to go to any other games or if this will be his one time. Mm-hmm. I think I'd want to be I'd want the best sight line. Sure. So maybe that would be either in the club section mm-hmm. or if you don't want to go splurge for club seats like high up in the the lower bowl. Right. Uh, and, and it's close the, to the 50 as you can get. Yeah, it, you know, in the 100 section is uh, the is called lower bowl, and club seats are the 200 section. So when he's looking at it, so he okay. understands what it means. Right. And then the 300 level is the top is level. The top, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a bad seat. You're not going to go wrong. No. But um, I think I would go maybe, you know, higher rows, not, not right on the sideline. Some people like yeah. that first row. I think I'd want to be a little higher than that. Sure. See Just over, see angle. over the, see over the players. All right, well, well, good. Um, yeah. Now he can go to Buccaneers.com and see an actual seating map where if you look at something, you hit it and you see the view. I was, I wasn't sure that was still there, so yeah. I didn't say. I it. believe it is. No, I don't know. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was still. I remember yeah. when we did that. Yeah, we had photographers go yeah. to every, every single seat, yes. sit down, and, and take, take a, a picture, picture from that yeah. angle. Can Crazy, you believe that? It? It's like sixty-five thousand seats. It's a lot of clicks. I remember when we did that. <laughs> Okay, moving on. Uh, thanks, Elliot, and we look forward to meeting you yep. possibly in December. Yep. All right, this is from Mark Rice. Who's... Which he's going to be very surprised because in Australia, December is summertime. Right. And so. And in Tampa, December is summertime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it can be true. 
Okay, this is Very from good. Mark Rice. You remember uh, the, the guy who wrote in from Mesa, Arizona, uh-huh. and I asked him about that. Um, Taco place that, or yeah, Mexican yeah, food? which isn't yeah. open anymore, apparently. Uh, yeah. And then uh, I mentioned another one, which he's going to talk about here. Yeah. Okay, Mark Rice says, oh, briniest of briny ones. Wow. Getting pretty creative here. Very. The national sports media's expectations for our beloved Bucks was supremely low this season. I agree. Correct. And their 2-0 start doesn't seem to have swayed those opinions much. In fact, I noticed the Bucks are ranked lower than some 0-2 teams on more than one power rankings list. I, yeah. Well, let's just start here. Okay. Power rankings are dumb. They, I, I'm glad you said that because I, I think it's... But they're never going away because people read them. I know, but why? They can be an entertaining read, Jeff. They can be an inter- just like uh, mock drafts. Mock drafts are... When it's all said and done, mock drafts are, I know, you're, you're, whole, oh, you're biting your I tongue. I'd much rather go get a root canal. You would not rather get a root canal than read a mock draft. <sighs> mock drafts, I love reading mock drafts. I know that they're pointless. Yeah. Because in the end, you're going to get like five picks right. Sure. I know they're pointless. Right. Nobody thought that Detroit would take Jameer Gibbs with the <laughs> 10th pick or whatever it was. They're pointless. I get it. But people still like to read them. But that doesn't stop the fact that power rankings are kind of silly. Sure. They, well, uh, there's a reason why every week on Buccaneers.com we we yeah. aggregate the power rankings. Yeah, the same because people yeah. click on it. Right, okay? I get it. But you I know what? Power, you know what I would. I, I will rather say, than power rankings. How about you look at standings? Yeah, You're right. Standing isn't that kind of a power ranking? Well, it is. <laughs> but I I will say this: I do look at the power rankings, and I get mad every time <laughs> because I just look at it and just go, "Really? But, okay." Yeah, and, but in but. The, the the it's only week two. The Buccaneers are two and zero. Yay! However, the national media has taken the 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 point of this team's not going to be very good, and it's not going to change until we get to the end. Okay, of the season. what happens is you you do a power a guy doing power rankings every week and updating them every week. Yeah, he does one before the season starts. Mm-hmm. He puts teams in the order he believes they they are. So let's take Cincinnati. If you were power ranking teams before the season, you probably have them as fourth or fifth best team. Right. Maybe I, even third. Sure. Maybe even sure. Third. Fair enough. They've done so well against Cincinnati and Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City and Buffalo that I could see you rank them even second. Yep. Everybody's going to rank Kansas City yep. first before the no season. No question. Right. So they lose a game. Maybe they get moved down a little bit. Sure. Maybe now they're fifth. All right. Joe Burrow looks like he's injured and it's not working real well, so maybe move down. Then they lose another game. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is kind of starting to look bad. Okay, I got to move them down. But they don't move them down because they're 0-2. They don't, they don't move them down to 24th. Right. They move them down to 10. Then the Buccaneers start at like 29. They win a game. Oh, we'll put them 27. Sure. Win another game. Yeah, it was just the Bears. Oh, great. They're 2-0. Baker Mayfield looks better than we expected. So, but my question is... But we're is, only going up to 24. But Minnesota and the Bears are above the Buccaneers. Not, are they? I don't know. I'm asking. Probably not. I think probably the 0-2 teams that would... that These people... Do Cincinnati these, would be Cincinnati probably... Cincinnati would be still. one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chargers would probably be one of them. Sure. Maybe Denver. If I'm not mistaken, Cincinnati's been 0-2 the last two years. Yeah, they started 0-2. So they've so proven they can right, overcome it. They're right where they want to be. They're yeah. comfortable. Statistically... Um, about 10% of teams that start out 0-2 make the playoffs. Yeah. It's a little little bit easier now that we went to 17 games in sure. a season. So um, there's no reason for a Bengals fan to panic. Mm-hmm. However, if – You have concern Joe, because of your quarterback right now. Joe, Joe Burrow's – yeah, that calf injury is, is scary. scary. 
All right, okay. so that's that question. All right, power well, all, rankings. All, if you want to go up in the power rankings, all you have to do is just keep winning. It'll be fine. I know coaches and players convey an air of, quote, blocking out the noise, mm-hmm. but I've caught the vibe that this team is embracing the image of being slept-on underdogs. Yeah. Have you gotten a sense of that inside of the building so far this season? You don't have to stay inside the building. There was a, there was a handful of players who were making noise during Same. the offseason, like, like Carlton Davis. Yeah. That we're going to surprise some people. Mm-hmm. But I 100% they think they like being underdogs. They do. There's there's a there's a big thrill to be in, see, we told you. Sure. I mean, that's a lot of fun. They want to say, hey, we were a good team with Tom Brady, and there are still a lot of people on this team that have won Super Bowls with this they, team. Uh, exactly. So they teams. also say, hey, we were part of that also. So Okay, so this, we, this is kind of what we've good already stuff. said. But yep. Mark, Mark says – I also really get the feeling that this upcoming game against Philly is highly reminiscent. Yeah. Highly, this is a good point. Mm-hmm. Is highly reminiscent of the Week Three Monday Night game from the Super Bowl Thirty Seven season against the Rams. Mm-hmm. I love that. Right. We quieted a lot of critics that night. Maybe a win against a perceived superior team, superior team, will be enough to earn a little respect. Uh, just to clarify, there, there were a lot of Rams game and Rams games, Rams Bucks games in that stretch. Yeah. This is not the. 99 NFC Championship game that the Rams beat the Bucks 11 to 6, followed by the next year in December, probably the best regular season game in Bucks history. That Monday night game. That Monday night yeah, game, 38 35. So much fun. Uh, but then 2001, I guess, I think the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl after that year. And then 2002, the Rams come in here, and that was the game you may remember. Derek Brooks was on the sideline because he'd pulled a hamstring. Mm-hmm. And then another linebacker, maybe Shelton, got hurt. So Derek Brooks, Derek Brooks went back into the game. Bucks were protecting like a maybe six-point lead, something like that. And he immediately picks off Kurt Warner, <laughs> runs it in for a pick six. And then because he knows he's done, he just he, he runs right, right through the end zone into the tunnel to the <laughs> locker room. <That's> right. <laughs> I'm out. I love that, man. I love that. So thanks for bringing that memory yeah, back. Yeah, that's a good one. Mark also says, P.S. for Scott – we actually do have a Los Dos Molinos location in Mesa and agree that it is really good. Ah. And I did not know this. They're considered New Mexico cuisine Ooh. being so chili forward. You know when the – and, yes, New Mexico is famous for their I didn't chilies. know that. Yes. Really? In chili fact, peppers or yeah, – okay, yeah. the chili peppers. In fact, a couple of years ago, the, the license plate – that was voted the best license plate in America was a New Mexico plate yeah. that was red and green and yellow. And I've seen that, yes. And I'm revealing myself to be a geek by you, knowing that. You went and got one? No, oh. I, I just, I I kind of really like looking at license plates. And I keep, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Okay. And I keep a, and I kind of proud of myself that I can see a license plate from pretty far away and, and know exactly what it state is. it's from. Yeah, that's fair. I, I sometimes keep a list in my car of all the states yeah. and then all the. the a uh, very, very tricky, a very, very tricky one you can make a mistake on is the white California red letter plate. And a Louisiana yeah. white red letter plate. That's true. Because when you go by, you for, you have to decide is it California or Louisiana. They're very very close. But I think Louisiana has the word Louisiana kind of in a script. It does, like a flowery script. It does. So that's how I can tell the yep. difference. Um, yeah, I was saying, and I don't know why I'm revealing this I don't geeky know. thing, I but like it, I sometimes I can use keep this against you. <laughs> a little folder in my car with a with papers. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm I'm serious. It lists all the fifty states. And and then I print out. You can print out from a, a government source all of the specialty plates in Florida, uh-huh. like all those colleges and, and yeah. all the environmental. I think stuff. Florida has the most specialty plates. We have ever. a lot of them. Yeah. I think Indiana does, but oh. 
Dang it. That's <laughs> so I build this cough button for you. That one just got on me too fast. Uh, and I cross them out. When I oh, so where are you at now? I, I well, I've done it multiple times. I've oh. never gotten all the 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 specialty plates because some of them are like tiny schools in other parts of the state that I never see. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I generally get all the environmental ones and all the sports ones, and so anyway, I'm a geek. Okay. Moving on. Very good. Um, this we have two more. There, no, we only have one more because I read one of Richard's at okay. the top, and, and, and I'll, this will be quick. Sure. Uh, it's from our friend Alexander in Brazil. Oh, can't we? Get a good way to close it out. Uh, ahoy, salty ones. Hope this finds you both well. It does. I realized during last episode of Bucks Insider Live that Casey Phillips depends a good deal on her voice. With that in mind, what would you would be worse for you to do? What would be worse for you to do your job in a hypothetical knock on what he says temporarily situation? Losing your voice or having only one hand to work with. Since you did, thanks for reading. Alexander. Mine would be voice. Yours would be hand. It would be hand. Because yeah. they could find somebody else to do the stuff, the talking that mm-hmm. I do. Um, but the writing, yeah. Well, you could hunt and peck with one hand, but you're pretty, oh, you're a speed writer. Yeah, or you're a I speed do the home type. row. I can type pretty fast. Yeah, you're very fast. If I had a problem with one of my hands, that would definitely make it very hard because I have to write. During the season, you, I have to write a lot. And you lot. have a tendency to do stuff with one hand, too, like on the airplane, when you're fortunate enough to be able to work on the airplane. I've noticed you always reach over. Like you have your laptop and then you oh with stuff, no? When no. you're updating stats? Yeah, I'm using two hands. Oh, okay. I just thought maybe you were looking at the one thing. I can't really work on the plane anymore because we hardly ever get to sit with a seat in between us. Yeah. And I need that seat to put my stuff out that, right. that I'm referring to. Right. Are you complaining because you had to sit next to me on a flight? I'm not complaining okay. at all. I'm, I, I, I don't complain about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just I'm happy to be on it. That's right. I'm okay. happy to have this job. Yes, me too. And to have had it for I'm happy longer that, than I ever could have guessed. I, I'm happy that you have this job. <laughs> I'm happy that you have your job as well. I'm happy that well, we... Well, we're just happy. And I'm happy we're coming to an end. <laughs> and I'm happy that we're the salty dogs. I'm not salty about that at all. Wow, it really is a lot more fun when you're 2-0, and o, isn't Yeah, it? yeah. Hopefully we'll be back here next week, uh, and we'll be real happy if we're 3-0, and o, right? And um, then these, these power polls better... The power rankings need to take, take notice. Take notice, but... You have to get the 3-0 and before you get it. I'm not, I'm not uh, counting on you. Since you did, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>